0: So, I remember what I have to do if I'm into it. That is, I don't have a problem remembering guitar stuff. You might have a problem remembering guitar stuff, but I don't. I really like guitars. I don't have a problem getting excited about my birthday. I remember it every year. At birth to me. I'm into it. Remembering to enter the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if I'm into that. Sounds like a lot of work. See, we got to see the relevance of this. And... As we read 2 Peter, we're actually listening to a, a man who is about to take hold of eternal life indeed. He's not depressed, he's calm, he's happy, and he's into it. The word used here is diligent. But another word for diligent is, hey, I'm into it. That's why I'm... Into it. Thank you. Dead moment. (laughs) Stick with me. Let's see if we can do this. You know, he's making an effort so that we make an effort. And he's giving us reasons to be excited about entering the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ right now. So I'm reading in Second Peter, chapter 1, from verse 8, where he says, For if these things are yours and abound, you'll be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and is forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. Though you know and are established in the present truth, yes, I think it is right, as long as I'm in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Now, you know, Peter knows that his readers are Christians. And notice in verse 12, They're established in the present truth. They've received Jesus. He's in their lives. His word is in their lives. And he says, I'm just reminding you of what you already know. And Peter knows. He's playing Captain Obvious here. He's running the risk of losing their attention. Because what do you do when you've heard all this before? You just tune out. Think about what's for lunch. Why is there no lunch? <laughs> Where is lunch? Who is lunch? Lunch? Lunchity? lunch, 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 lunch? What is what's his face talking about? Why isn't he talking about lunch? Well, you know, gee. Peter here is about to see Jesus face to face. And everything he's talking about here is reality to him. He's been doing this for about 30 years. And he's about to take hold, indeed, on eternal life. And he wants his readers to have the same attitude that he has about it. He wants them to enter into it and live there. Now, he wants his readers to practice seven attributes. Because this is learning Christ. And that's in verse 5 and 6 giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. Now you know, an easy way to think about these things is the first four are about you personally. That you Receive from God His excellence. That you receive His knowledge. That you receive His self-control and His perseverance. That's about you personally. Godliness is your relationship to God. Brotherly kindness is your relationship to the rest of the believers. And love is your relationship with everybody. So it's who you are and all your relationships. These are the seven things that we're to supply to ourselves by depending on Jesus. We pray for him. You know, I found myself praying for these a lot more because I think that's how you do it. You just say, can I please have your excellence? May I please have knowledge about you? And I really have noticed. It's fun. It's fun. I see God helping me. Now, you know, as we do this, we are actually learning Jesus Christ himself. This is really what we're about. I'm sometimes really embarrassed that I get up here and I do something that's really old. You know, guys have been getting up and gone blah, blah about the Bible for donkey's years. And there are people who would look at this and say, this is old-fashioned. And our building fits right in, doesn't it? This is about As old-fashioned as you can get. And people want to get excited and move into new things and do new stuff and here we are doing the same old thing. Blah, blah, blah. But this word that I teach is living and active. And what happens is, as we give ourselves to this word, it works in us because it is alive. And God actually does impart to us his life. So, if anybody looks at us and just says, man, this is as dry as toast, they haven't got a clue. What's happening here is, We're spending time with God and with one another and we're pursuing the things that really matter. And this is learning Christ. This is true knowledge of Jesus. Paul in Colossians 3 says we are putting off our old man and we are clothing ourselves with Christ. We live with Jesus. He lives in us. And you know, this is entering into his eternal kingdom. Now, his kingdom isn't set up yet on the earth. And people might look at us a little bit funny if we talk about that. And I felt this weirdness. You tell somebody that Jesus Christ is coming back into history and things are about to change... They, I don't like this, and they look at you funny, and then they walk off, and then you feel like a right lunk. I don't know what a lunk is. I don't want to end up one. But I'm willing to look stupid because somebody needs to know this. It is going to happen. We live in a fallen world, and We live in tents. Notice in verse 13, Peter says, I live in a tent. And you know what a tent is back then? Poles that you stretch skin over. And you live in a tent. you got poles, and you've stretched some skin over it. Now, Peter is saying we live in that eternal kingdom right now. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, Paul says that Jesus has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of our sins. We have that right now. We're going to talk in a few minutes about what that means. But here's a reason why we want to live in this eternal kingdom is because we're useful and fruitful. You notice in verse eight, Peter says that if we live by these attributes of Jesus, we won't become useless or unfruitful. It says here, barren. And if you look in the margin, it says useless. Now, isn't that a funny way of putting it? You don't say, well, I, I, I hope to grow up and not be useless. Well, I hope you grow up and not be useless too. You know, God chose us and called us. That's what it says in verse 10 call an election. He called us, He chose us. And when He calls us and chooses us, it's to be what He wants us to be. He calls us to be fruitful, He calls us to be useful. And his word never comes back to him empty. So when he says, hey, you, that's right, you, I'm talking to you, look at me. (laughs) He does have to get our attention, doesn't he? That's why he uses the two by four from heaven. (laughs) That's right, it was me. (laughs) Look at me, over here. I want you to be fruitful and I want you to be useful. Okay, it accomplishes what he sends it out for. So you know what? Each one of us who've received Jesus have a great desire to be fruitful and useful. You want to bear fruit, don't you? And it drives you nuts when you think you're not bearing fruit. It grinds you. It bugs you, doesn't it? It's always bugged me. And I, I, I found myself, back in the olden days, I'd, I'd get in a situation and all of a sudden I'd realize, you know what, this isn't bearing fruit anymore. We've kind of ground to a halt here, and it's not productive, and it, it's driving me crazy. And I found that I have got to be useful and bearing fruit. All right. That's because God created you to be fruitful. And so if you're not bearing fruit, you'll feel it. You'll just go. And it's not the coffee is off, you know, or the toast is burned. You're not bearing fruit. And it drives you nuts. Now Peter knows that as you're diligent to pray, God is going to give you these seven attributes. He's going to give them to you. And you're going to be fruitful. That's what you're created for. That's where your joy lies. Does everybody get that? So that's one reason why you want to live in this kingdom. Here's another one. So that you see clearly. In verse 9, he who lacks these things is short sighted even to blindness. Now, as a professional short sighted person, again, drives me nuts not to have my glasses. I can even drive without them. How do you know? Yes, I've driven without my glasses. It's not legal. I don't recommend it. I enjoy seeing clearly. And see, God has called us to see clearly, to see things as they really are. For example, Jesus is ruling in my life. I can see that clearly. He's in control of everything, He's in control of me, and the things that happen are not random. I am not a pinball with the devil at the controls. Woohoo! I'm gonna send you everywhere, man, and useless. Woohoo! Nope. Everything that happens to me is because God is in control, and He lets these things happen. God is at the flippers. And he's hot stuff. You can see that all things work together for good for you. And so stuff happens. You cannot explain it. But you know, God's in charge. He's going to work this thing out. Now, you know, that gives you great peace even though you cannot explain what's going on in your life right now. But when you're not pursuing that knowledge of Jesus, you know you lose sight of Jesus. You lose sight of what's really going on, and all you see is the surface appearance of things. And you can look at this world, and this is a godless, dark, hopeless world. That's why you can't get around in traffic right now. Because everybody is clawing and scratching to get that petrol before you do. Because that means they're going to drive another week, and you're not. Dog, eat dog, and devil take the hindmost. And you can read the news that wicked men are stealing and killing and lying and getting away with it. This is front page stuff. So you know, if evil is winning... And us bottom feeders are about to get wiped out. Really, the only thing to do is to let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. You know what that is? That is the philosophy of the world. Let's have one more rave. Let's have one more just, you know, headbang until we fall over. And boy, wasn't that fun. Why? Because it's all going to hell in a handbasket anyway. This is it. And if this is it, then it means let's get all the fun we have now. Now, you know, if we forget that we were cleansed of our sins, we're blind. We're short-sighted. We do not see beyond this world to what we ought to see Which is, you know what? God's in control. So I don't have to flip out. My time is coming. And when it comes, it's permanent. I don't have to wake up with a hangover and wish I didn't empty that fifth until I vomited. What's happening next week? You know that God says that when the wicked prosper, It's only so they they get mowed down like grass. Remember Jesus talked the, the parable about the farmer sowed good seed and then his enemy came at night and sowed weeds. And his servants say, what do we do? Do we rip up the weeds? And the farmer says, nah, let's leave them there until the harvest. And then when we harvest everything, We'll just take the weeds out and burn them. And we'll gather up the wheat, have a harvest. See, so God's letting it all grow till it's done. And you can read in Revelation chapter 14 that there's two harvests going on, and they're two completely different crops. Jesus harvests one, But then the other crop he throws into the winepress of the wrath of God and he tramples it. See, two different crops growing in this world. Now in Psalm 92, verse 6, it says, A senseless man has no knowledge, nor does a stupid man understand this, that when the wicked sprouted up like grass and all who did iniquity flourished, it was only that they might be destroyed forevermore. So, if you see clearly what the Bible shows, then you realize God is about to wipe out evil all over the world forever. Not just in one isolated spot, like when he wipes out Sodom and Gomorrah. And everybody says, well, That's too bad, but it didn't happen here. See, it's going to happen all over the planet. There's no place to run, there's no place to hide. So, this is not the time to get short sighted and then drown our frustration in whatever sin happens to appeal to us, like a drug. This is the time to keep on receiving Jesus and to see clearly and to understand all we have to do is hang on and persevere. And the time is short. It's going to work out exactly the way Jesus said we can have peace even while we drive past those petrol queues. Now, as you practice these seven attributes, you're also going to have confidence. And Peter says, in verse 12, he says, you know and are established in the present truth. And he's, he's confident that his readers get it. But you know, I need that Confidence. It's easy when somebody is struggling and you come up and you say, man, what are you struggling about? You got this. You can do it. It's great. You can encourage somebody else. But then what happens when you're eating dirt? What happens when you feel crummy about yourself? All of a sudden, all that punch in the arm doesn't work. Sometimes you sin. And you don't see the evidence that your life is any different. And your best friend the devil is right there to put his arm around your shoulder and say, you know what, I don't see any, any evidence either. You're the same dope you've ever been. That's why I love you. You are never going to change. You're never going to make it. You're a dope. You ought to eat and drink. Just tomorrow, you die. Well, this is what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts you of your sin so that you mourn over it. And you find yourself going, I am so stupid. I can't believe I think I'm saved, and yet I do stuff like this. And you turn to Jesus. And you confess your sin, and you feel terrible about it. And you're sorry you grieve the Holy Spirit. And then, the Holy Spirit helps you to realize, you know, if I weren't saved, I would not be mourning over my sin the way I am. I wouldn't care at all. Dogs always come back and eat up the vomit. Pigs, you wash them, go back, be a pig. It's natural. But look at me. I am mourning over my sin. I feel awful about it. I could not do that if I were not saved. And you realize God is working in my life, even though I'm stupid. Now, you can increase that confidence. Isn't it more fun to live with confidence? And just think, man, God is in me. He called me. He chose me. I like that. And see, as you practice these seven, you're going to have confidence. Now, this entrance... Into Jesus' kingdom is going to be continually supplied to you. See, this kingdom, it's not established on the earth physically yet. But you're in it. You're in that kingdom right now. See, your life is eternal right now. If you were to die today, you're not going to go to the place of the dead. You're going to come right into the presence of Jesus. You're in his kingdom right now. And you know, Jesus reigns in your life now. He really is the boss, isn't he? You start getting funny ideas like, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And you find, <laughs> I want you over here right now. And you get busted every single time. You don't get away with anything. Isn't I mean, you could get mummed about that and just think, gosh, you know. But then you realize, gosh, he's doing me a favor. And I need to wise up and get with the program. And instead of him jerking on my leash, if I stayed here, it wouldn't hurt so bad. I want you right here. Yes, sir. Feels so much better. So I love that. I love that Jesus is the boss in my life. I want him to win and win and win. And I want to lose and lose and lose. <laughs> because if I lose, I win. I've learned that much. And Jesus' mercies are eternal. They're new every morning. That's part of the eternal kingdom. And these mercies are secured by the death and resurrection of Jesus. So you don't have to worry like you wake up one morning and they're not there. Okay, pal. Condemnation time. You and me are going to sit down and I am going to scorch you. That's not going to happen. What you're going to get is brand new day, brand new mercies, come here. You're not going anywhere. I gotcha. See, he does stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yesterday was so crummy. He goes, nope. That was yesterday. But today it's you and me. We're going to do this. Now, right now you live in a tent just like Peter. And that tent gets worn. It gets old. And you need something new. And what God has for you is no more tents. You know, as long as I was doing Creation Fest, 18 years guaranteed would have a storm during the week. And people's tents would get blown over. And it would look like, you know, something like Hurricane What's-Her-Face in the United States. People would get frustrated and just leave their tent. Discard it and drive home. But having been a Boy Scout, by the will of my father, I already knew I am never, ever going to camp in a tent. (laughs) Ever. The end. So I'd be inside whatever that thing was, be it made of metal or wood or whatever, and I'd hear the storm coming through and I'd go, (laughs) that's nice. I love the pitter patter of rain on the roof. And I'd know that some people were getting wiped out bad time. But not me. I guess it's evil in my heart, isn't it? It is evil. Look it. No more tents for us. When we go to be with Jesus, we're going to get a building in the heavens, made without hands. And you know what that means? It means the plumbing works. It's perfect. It's eternal. Established. No more tents. I'm done with tents. Past tents. <laughs> Future buildings. But right now, you have your entrance into that eternal kingdom. And as you clothe yourself with Christ and you grow in knowing Him, Peter says you are supplied this entrance. Did you notice that in verse 11? an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly. And you know, that's that word, epikorigio, which means a guy who is rich enough to support an entire group of performers, which means he has enough for you individually. Imagine an abundant entrance, a door so big, you can't miss it. You get in every single time. You don't miss it and hit the wall and go, ow, I missed. You get in. You live in the kingdom. Right now. Even before it comes to the planet, you're there. And I was thinking about that this morning. Just me and the Lord thinking about he Who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. What is that secret place? Jesus said, when you pray, pray in secret. And the thing about prayer is that it brings you right into the presence of God. That's why we're to pray without ceasing. We're to live in the presence of God all the time. So we get to abide in this eternal kingdom right now. And boy, when you live in the kingdom, you have more than enough to deal with this life. Now, Peter's about to take hold on eternal life indeed. He says in verse 14, Jesus showed me I'm about to die. And you know, he's more concerned for his readers than he is for himself. He's not freaking out. He says, I want you to remember what I'm telling you. I'm being diligent so you can be diligent. I'm putting effort into reminding you so that you can put effort into learning and knowing Jesus. Now, Peter's been entering into the eternal kingdom for about 30 years now. He's been doing what he's telling them to do. And he has experienced this abundant entrance into that kingdom right now. You think, well, now, what more could he learn? He saw Jesus. When he says, hey, could I walk on water too? Jesus says, yeah. So he's walking on water. He sees Jesus transfigured. He sees Jesus crucified. He sees Jesus raised from the dead. What else do you need? Lots more. Like he sees this guy who's never walked in 40 years. And the Lord tells him, go ahead and lift him up. He's going to walk. Okay. No safety net here. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And he, and he does walk. And everybody's going crazy, and he says, well, do you think we did this by our own godliness? Heck no. This is Jesus. I never did this before. Or he finds out that Gentiles are going to get saved. What do you know? See, he's learning all kinds of stuff still. So everything he's learned and experienced makes him say, you know what, Lord, anything you want. I want to know you. I want to learn you. I want to grow. Now, he is in the kingdom already, but what is this transition going to be? I was thinking about this. It's not like he's dying. And it's not like he hasn't been in the kingdom already. But I mean, he's going to take hold of it. It's going to be his. A greater grasp. I mean, if he's in the kingdom now, what's it going to be like as soon as he leaves? It's like, I I don't have a word for that. But you know, we're just about ready for this. We're about to take hold on eternal life too. So let me just suggest, the supreme business of our life is to enter into this kingdom. I don't think there's anything more important, is there? And you know, I listen to Jack Hibbs, and Amir Sarfati, and Barry Stagner, and J.D. Ferrag, and John Haller, and all those guys that you listen to. And there's only so many ways that you can say, "No man knows the day or the hour of his returning." We're really close. How close are we? Seven days from last week when we asked the question. That's that's how close we are. We're one week closer. Now, you know what? You've just heard everything they've got to say. Now, they bring up new stuff that freaks you out, winds you up, makes you angry. You can watch John Haller. And, you know, he's a big guy. And he starts out okay, but after a while he winds himself up to where he can hardly speak. And you can watch him do that week after week. But you've just heard everything those guys have got to say right now. The real issue is to be ready. And that means doing this right here. Just these seven attributes. Four about yourself, three about everybody else. And you know what, you're gonna be ready. And if you're entering into his kingdom every day, guess what, when he pulls you out, there's not even gonna be a jolt. It's gonna be the most natural thing in the world And you're going to be incredibly happy. So, you know, this is the most important thing you can think about right now. Peter's diligent, so that we will be diligent to enter into that eternal kingdom. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for that light of your word that lets us see how things really are so that we don't have to miss what you're doing. And instead, we can think about, we're going to see your face. You're really coming back. Now, it hasn't yet appeared what we're going to be like. But we know that we're going to be like you because we're going to see you as you really are. So we want to keep looking at you today. Please do all these good things for us. Please give us your excellence and knowledge and self-control, perseverance. Give us godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Help us to be fruitful, useful, see clearly, and be ready. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.